Hey, it's Greg. Thanks for listening to Toronto Today. Hope everybody had a great weekend. Well, our visit with Nate Erskine-Smith, Liberal MP from Beaches, East York. And we talk about what happened to his colleague on Friday in Grand Prairie, Alberta. Everyone's got an opinion on what transpired with Christian Freeland and three angry people, angry protesters. Are they protesters? What were they? In the, uh, in, in the lobby of uh, the City Hall in Grand Prairie. And uh, we watched the video. We knew that nothing had happened in terms of violence, but that doesn't make it okay. It doesn't make it feel very threatening in the moment, and it's a big problem. So Nate and I get with that, as well as the new government legislation um, to create more barriers being broken down and more equality in the LGBTQ community. That's a chat with Nate Erskine-Smith, and it happens right now. There's something just not great in the air right now in Canada, and Friday's a, a shining example of, of that kind of darkness that, that is among us to right now. And it's been building for some time, Greg. I spoke to Michelle Rempel, a Conservative MP. She'd been intimidated, and, and people had gone after her over WEF-related conspiracy theories. I've seen colleagues from... Catherine McKenna to Ikra Khalid experienced major harassment, intimidation, and threats, and, and really hateful comments. And here you have, not just online, you've got this offline threat and harassment trying to intimidate the Deputy Prime Minister of Canada. It's absolutely unacceptable. I know there's moments and flashpoints in time we look to the United States and whether we're, we're you know, we study our history and we think about, um, you know, uh, assassination attempts and we think about tragedies. The, the 60s just seem like a very chaotic time to be alive. I don't think we're there in Canada. I remember getting off an airplane once in Philadelphia and seeing the news that that uh, Gabby Giffords had been had been shot. She was a gun control advocate and someone shot her in Arizona. She was an Arizona senator like I worry and I want to know if you do about um, it, Friday's unspeakably awful for Christian Freeland. It would take hours for her heart rate to calm down after that. And at the same time, I don't think we can just say no harm, no foul. Some of these incidents are getting more dangerous and they're getting worse. Yeah, I think we have to say a few different things. So first, being in a position of power can put anyone and everyone at risk. But it, it obviously isn't a coincidence. The majority of people affected here are women. Mm -hmm. It's also obvious enough that it comes especially from a particular conspiracy-addled, anger-filled crowd, tends to occupy the right-wing fringe, which is why it was especially important for Pierre Poilievre to come out really strong on this, because there's a certain fringe that he needs to distance himself from in a serious way for our democracy to be, to be better. And, 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 and third, on the subject of democracy, the real danger to all of this is that individual who threatened Christian Freeland would hide behind freedom of speech. And freedom of speech is central to our democracy, but threats and harassment like that only undermine our democracy. Yeah, I think it's fine if someone wants to come to you at a, at a campaign event last year or come to somebody from, from any party. I, it could have been Aaron O'Toole, it could have been Jugmeet Singh and say, hi, uh, nice to meet you. Here's where I disagree with your policy. Here's why I disagree with some of your principles and what are you going to do about it? But it's the yelling, it's the screaming, it's the tone, it's the it's the threat. We know when we're when someone's intimidating, uh, trying to intimidate during a conversation, and when someone isn't. And that line, Nate, that line is is just we're way way over the line as a Canadian society these, these last 12, 18 months. We all sign up in politics for a certain level of criticism, a certain level of taking heat, and we all need thick skins and to not read the comments in politics as far as it goes if we want to get through it. 
But at the end mm-hmm. of the day, we have to get back to basics. I think that we have to learn how to disagree with, with one another if, and live with one another and like one another at the same time. Otherwise, we're all going to be worse off for it. Nate Erskine Smith, our guest, uh, liberal MP, joining us on Toronto today. I'd ask one more about this. You have, you know, you have female colleagues. We're trying to, you know, push the needle towards where there's more females, at, not just successful in getting elected into politics, but willing to put their name on ballots. Um, I, I just, I talked to enough female friends over the weekend, and they shouldn't have to be female to tell me this, but people would be discouraged. Like they'd be like, I, I don't need that. I got a great private life. I, my, my family's safe. Nobody knows where I live. They don't want to sign up for something like that on Friday, Nate. They don't. It discourages all women from getting involved in politics. It discourages young people in general from getting involved in politics. And you put that kind of abuse up against expectations of politici- politicians, even without that abuse. And then you look at, let's just take Ontario mm-hmm. and an MPP salary. An MPP gets paid less than a high school principal. And we're expecting them to enter into a very public position with incredible amounts of responsibility where they're going to have threats potentially often against their lives. Who, who, who wants that role? Mm. I see over the weekend, um, and it was a pretty historic uh, day, and I wanted to ask you about it, um, a $100 million plan and over five years that the federal government, of which you're part of, will support 2SLGBT communities across the country. This is interesting. I think a lot of people are are saying this is great news, but they will ask where, where the money goes to. And I know that will get laid out. This uh, news conference happened ahead of the Pride Parade uh, in Ottawa. But this obviously takes a lot of legwork and a lot of lifting over weeks and months to get money of this, of this magnitude and start this kind of initiative. What are, you, what are your hopes in terms of where the money goes and how it helps us? So it's really important that we see a significant amount of financial support to ensure we're addressing continued discrimination. And and look, here's an example in Canada where we've come a very, very long way, but certainly not far enough. Just recently, we, we finally have a federal government that is addressing the gay blood ban, uh, gay, gay mm-hmm. blood ban for example. Mm-hmm. And so again, progress, but really, I think, you know, it, it could have happened a long time ago. So it's nice to see progress now, but we have to recognize we need to move more quickly. But when I think of equality rights going forward, I, I honestly have immense respect for Rainbow Railroad and the work they do to protect people around the world. Uh, And I personally think when I'm looking at that $100 million, we need to think of it as supporting community organizations and projects here in Canada, of course, to address discrimination and and to defend equality, but also especially to look internationally at our obligations and to say, we need to make sure that the values we are defending at home are also defended around the world and that we're supporting LGBTQ plus refugees we're supporting organizations that are going to make sure that those refugees are supported and we're making sure that we're supporting education and defending equality rights around the world yeah there there's a lot of people and obviously canada being the melting pot toronto especially being the melting pot the cosmopolitan place it is there's people that come here and they're like what i love about canada what i love about toronto is I can be me here, and I couldn't where I came from, and I still have parents yeah. there or brothers there or sisters there, and you know, y- you and I like our sports. Why is it uncomfortable that there's a you know a Saudi Arabian back golf tour? Well, it's because of how people are treated there. Why are we a little queasy about even the World Cup being in Qatar because of how they treat? And so, yeah, we need to do. I know people say, "Come on, we got so many issues happening in our own country." There's still an obligation. We see, if you want to be on the world map, you got to you got to you got to cover the world. Yeah, unquestionably. And that's where when you speak to folks 
at Rainbow Railroad, for example, who are doing amazing work, they will say, we're so lucky to be here in Canada and we want to make sure other people have the same luck around the world. And we want to make sure we're bringing as many people here as we can as part of the refugee stream. But the other element that you're pointing to there is also making sure that we build support among community organizations everywhere around the world so that the equality rights we enjoy here at home are enjoyed everywhere. I only got a minute here. Uh, the Western University issue is a big one. You and I have talked about ArriveCan. We have talked about travel mandates before. This one's really rough for me. I, I, I don't. I don't get it. I don't get this one. Uh, I would absolutely advocate for people um, that are elderly, immunocompromised, get vaccinated, update your shots. We're not talking about a high-risk community with 18, 19, 20-year-old students. So people know the basics of it. I, I, I don't get it. I don't know what your take is on it. Well, we should encourage vaccination to keep people safe and to reduce risk as far as it goes. But we also need to recognize that we need to follow the evidence and where we're at today, we know that there is a massive amount of protection if you're vaccinated from serious disease and serious uh, serious adverse results from, from being infected. But what you're looking at when you're looking at a mandate is you're looking, I think, at transmission risk in particular. And there's not evidence around transmission risk and re- the reduction of that risk to justify a school-wide mandate at this point. And, uh, you know, administrators have to come to grips with that. Certainly the federal government slowly came to grips with that in relation to travel, but is coming to grips with that. And and it can be hard because we've lived this particular mentality at, at a really difficult time throughout the pandemic. And we've got to, you know, in the same, for the same reasons we put restrictions in place to follow the evidence, we've got to lift restrictions following the evidence. Always brings it. Uh, Liberal MP for Beaches East York, Nate Erskine-Smith. Thanks so much for the time. Uh, you got little ones to get ready for school in a couple of weeks. We'll check in with you after Labor Day. Thanks so much.